Welcome to the teaching ministry of Stephen Fraser and Life of Faith Bible Church. An outreach dedicated to helping you triumph in every area of life. Now here's Pastor Fraser with today's message. Praise God. Well, I was going to teach on the book of Acts, but we just decided, I guess the Holy Spirit decided, we'd just go ahead and live it. we just go ahead and do it. Why not just do the book of Acts? But that's why we're learning. We're doing a series in the book of Acts because this is how it's supposed to be. Jesus moving in the church, moving through the church, doing the same works he did while he was here physically on the earth. He's here, he's here just as much now as he was then. And now he's just taken on a different body. And you're the body. The church is the body of Christ. And so he's working in our bodies. He's here in the earth. And he doesn't just want to heal you and deliver you and bless you. He wants to overflow out of you and heal others through you. He wants to deliver others through you. He wants to help others through you. This is how he does it. He works through the church, the body of Christ. And that's what the book of Acts is all about. It's about the acts of the early church. Some say the acts of the the apostles, but that's inaccurate. It starts out primarily with the apostles doing the miracle signs and wonders. But then it doesn't doesn't just uh, end with them. It goes on and there's just laymen in the church that begin to rise up and begin to walk in the miracle working power of God. So as they learned, as the early church learned about the power of God, uh, they grew in faith to be able to see God manifest and move in their midst. And he did. He did. This is how the church began. This was never supposed to stop. This was only supposed to increase. So that the words of Jesus in John the 14th chapter could be fulfilled. Where he said, verse 12, most assuredly. Now most assuredly, I like most assuredly. Absolutely. This is, this is absolutely. I say to you, he who believes in me. Do we have any of those here? Those that believe in Jesus. The works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father. See, it's supposed to get greater and greater and greater. It's supposed to be increasing. Think about that. Jesus did great works, but the great works are to not only continue, but to increase and become greater and greater and greater. But instead, for the most part, the church world has gone backwards and turned away from the works of Jesus, turned away from the manifestations of the Holy Spirit, have turned away from the power of God and become religious, just religious. I mean, just like the Pharisees. Remember those religious people in Jesus' day? Jesus is healing people right in front of them, and they had such attitudes, didn't they? They were like... Golly, when is this going to be over? Man, oh man, this guy, he is, he's a charlatan. None of this is real. People getting healed. I mean, people getting delivered. People getting set free. And they're just observing this and saying, no, no, we don't, we don't receive this. We don't believe this. And, if, and right in the middle of people getting healed and delivered, even raised from the dead, they're plotting how they can kill Jesus. They're plotting how they can destroy. See, that's religion. Religion 
is demonic. It is demonic. It is from hell. And when it gets a hold of a person, it's hard for that person to get set free from it. Because, why? Because they have rejected the power of God working in their life. They have what the book of Timothy says. Let's just look at it. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Talks about the last days. He says, verse 1, But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanders without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, despisers of good. They see a good thing and they despise it. They look down on it. Traitors, headstrong, haughty, Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. In other words, they're, they're simply into themselves more than they're into God. Having a form of godliness. Now notice, he just named some real nasty things here. I mean, they're unforgiving, they're slanderers, they're all these terrible things. And, then, and yet, they have a form of godliness. They go watch their R-rated movie and they have a form of godliness. See? They'll watch perversion, they'll watch violence, they'll watch dirty, filthy things. But they have a form of godliness about them. See, they got a little church in their life. They got a little church lingo. And so uh, they have this form of godliness, but notice this characteristic about them. They deny the power. It's power. In other words, they deny the power of God. They deny the power of God to actually work in their life. They have no problem teaching on the power of God, but just don't let God actually show up and do what he says. And I think one of the primary reasons they don't like it is because God works through people. And they don't like that. They don't like that. No, no, if God's going to speak to me, then God's going to say, I don't need you. If God's going to touch me, I don't need you. Well, tell that to the Bible. Tell that to the Bible. Because that's exactly how he works. He works through his body, which is made up of people. And he said, believers in Mark 16, believers, believers, that's, that's you and I, will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Now, that's what he said. That's what he said. See, but if you deny, if you reject that power, then how are you going to be delivered from that religious demon? See, it's very hard to get delivered from a religious demon because you're rejecting the very power that delivers you. I mean, think about how religious they were in Jesus' own hometown. In his own hometown. I mean, they heard of all the, all the miracles, all the great things he was doing. But when he came to his own hometown, they thought, well, we know he's a human. We know him. He, he grew up. He's just like us. He's no better than us. And they started comparing themselves with Jesus. And the Bible says that Jesus in his own hometown could there, Mark chapter 6, could there do no mighty works. He could do no mighty works. He wanted to, but he couldn't. He couldn't. Why? goes on to say, because of their unbelief. Their unbelief. See, they were religious. They couldn't accept that God would work through someone that grew up among them, that someone just like them. They couldn't handle that. So they rejected God by rejecting the one that he sent to deliver them and to help them and to rescue them. Do you see that? So you see, we're in a nation and a world that's full of this religion, religious demons. And we're going to have to fight through that. Because the church has been on the sidelines for so long, and so much of the church world has embraced religion and rejected the power of God. 
That's been going on for so long that for us to really rise up and to break through that, we better be ready to fight. We better be ready for a lot of sneering. We better be ready for a lot of persecution. We better be ready. And I'm talking about from church folks. I'm t- Heathens will come and go, what is this? People that don't know the Lord, they'll be like, I need that. I need They don't care who's doing it, man. If, if God's moving, give me that miracle. Put your hands on me. Speak to me. Help me. But the religious, they'll be the ones that'll give you the problem. I mean, you think about Pontius Pilate, right? This, this Roman governor. He was determined to let Jesus go. He wanted to let the man go. It was the religious people screaming out, crucify him. It wasn't the Romans. It was the religious Jews crying out, crucify him. Crucify him. That, that bound Pilate to have to have Jesus condemned to death. He didn't want to do it. He didn't want to do it. And it's that way today. So we have to be prepared for these things, folks. We got to be willing to fight. You got to fight through your own religious nonsense. Because you've been religiosized for years. You don't even know how religiosized you are. Oh, yeah, man. We've been just being hit and hit and bombarded with religion. We've been being programmed to be religious, and now we've got to break out of it. I said, we've got to break out of it so that the Spirit of God can move, so the Spirit of God can do what the Spirit of God wants to do. He wants to make people whole. He wants to help people. He wants to deliver people, but he's going to do it on his terms, and the way he does it, according to his word, is through people. Through people. God doesn't just do things for us. He does things through us. He does it with us with our partnership, with our partnering with him through faith. That's how it works. So we got to get our minds renewed. we got to forget about the vessel. Can't get hung up on vessels. Well, I think I wouldn't use that person. Don't get hung up on vessels and never say never. Because God has chosen the weak things. He's chosen the weak things to put to shame and to silence the strong those that people think strong. Let's look at that. First Corinthians. We're getting back to the book of Acts. And then going beyond that. I mean, we got our work cut out for us. And what is our work? It's getting our minds renewed to the book of Acts, to the word of God, to the will of God. And then working that in our life. Working that out. Working that. Exercising our faith in what we're hearing. Exercising our faith so that we begin seeing. We begin seeing what we're reading. That's the purpose of the reading. A reading today from the gospel of the month. The purpose of the reading is so there can be a seeing. There can be an experiencing of him who we're reading about. We want to see him in power. We want to see his glory. His manifested awesomeness. This book, the Bible, is the story of his glory. And when you behold his glory, you're supposed to be in, being transformed into the same image. That's what he said in 2 Corinthians. Hold your place in 1 Corinthians. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. In verse 18, but we all with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror. The mirror he's talking about is the word of God. James brings that out, the book of James. Beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. 
are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Did you see that? As you're looking into the mirror of the Word of God, what are you seeing? You're seeing the glory, the manifested awesomeness of the Almighty. And what's supposed to be happening? Your head's to be educated. No. You're to be being transformed into the same image of what you're seeing in the Word of God. What you're reading. What you're reading is to be being transformed. It's to be having, be having a transforming effect on your life so that you are becoming what you are reading. So that what you're reading, you are now seeing in your life and in the world around you. That's the purpose of the Word of God. It's not just to give you a teaching. It's not just to give you letters. It's to bring you into a transformation. So you're here to be transformed right now into the same image of the Word of God. And the word we're getting into is over here in Acts. But first I had mentioned 1 Corinthians chapter 2, didn't I? And so it's actually chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27. For God has chosen the foolish things of this world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty, things that are mighty in this world. And the base things, of the world and the things which are despised God has chosen and the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are why that no flesh should glory in his presence or boast in his presence no flesh can take credit for it nobody can boast no human can boast in it because we understand who God's using He's using the weak. He's using the foolish. He's using the dum-dums. See, you're going to you're gonna have to walk and live by faith. You're going to you're gonna have to walk in the humility of God in order to be used by God and to let God use others in your life. You've got to have the humility to recognize God can use whatever he wants and many times he'll use what I despise. So therefore, stop despising. Just don't despise anyone and just say, if God can use me, he can use anyone. Don't despise yourself. God can use me. God can speak to me. God can do miracles through me. God can do a miracle through me today. Why? Because he's God. Yeah, but I'm so, it's not about you. Shut up. It's about God. We need to go through life expecting the miraculous. Expecting a God of miracles to work through us. And I'm not good enough. We know that. You don't have to convince anybody of that. We know that. You never could be good enough. But he's more than enough. Who? He's El Shaddai. Come on. He's the God who's more than enough. He's the almighty God. And he'll take on nothing to bring to nothing the things that seem to be. That seem to be something. He'll bring them to nothing. Are you a nothing? You qualify. You qualify. Praise God. Sign up today. Sign up today. You qualify. Anybody foolish? Yeah, sign up. 
God wants to do miracles through you. He wants to confound the wise through you. He wants to make people aware that he is God. And he is alive and well. And he's working among humans. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. So we're just learning to let go and let God. We're just learning to let God be God in our life so that he can begin to do the works. And, and he does them. I mean, God, God's working. We saw him working here today, you know. He's working, but we want, to see it to be, we want to see it become more prevalent in our lives, in the church, out there on the streets, in the marketplace. We want the church walking in the glory of God where it just becomes normal. Just becomes, it's amazing how fast they make the work of the devil normal, right? I mean, they start talking about a corona thing. Can you see corona? No, but you believe it. Folks believe in corona, but they don't see it. What is corona? According to the word of God, it's the work of the devil. All sickness and disease is the work of the devil. So people have no problem with the devil moving in their midst. Devil's moving in our nation. People just, well, that's just a part of life. That's how it needs to be with God moving in the church. It's just a part of life. Oh, yeah, people getting out of wheelchairs, people getting healed, the dead being raised. Yeah, yeah, lepers being healed, right? Demons being cast out. Oh, yeah, just as normal to us as right now. Sickness is normal. It's normal. And, and people get into faith. They get into fear, which is faith, perverted faith, in as soon as they start hearing about sickness and disease and things like that blowing around in the air and somebody coughs next to them, I mean, their fear faith rises up believing in it. Why? Because they've been trained that way. The world, the devil, has trained people to think like this. We need to get our minds renewed and it needs to be that way concerning God. And his movement and his healing and his driving out demons and sickness. I mean, Jesus said that we should pray that we should have days of heaven right here on earth. That God's will for those in heaven are being done right here on the earth. And on heaven, in heaven, uh, the power of God is easy. The miraculous is easy. God is moving, miracle signs, wonders, great glory is all, it's a way of life. They're breathing in the glory. They're walking in the miraculous. They're walking in the supernatural. They're walking in the power of God in everything they do in life. That's where we want to be. I said, that's where we want to be. But we got to get through all this sludge, all this sludge that religion and the world has poured into us. We got to get all that out of us. That's where the fire of the Holy Ghost comes in. It brings all the scum up. So we could just scrape it off. Amen. I'm going to preach a fiery word. I'm already into it. Just get that fire going and bring all that scum that's down in people's hearts. All that perverted religious thinking. All that fear. Just cause it all to come up to the surface. And then if you need help, I'll come over and I'll help just... just we'll just get it out. We'll just... Take it right off. Praise God. That's where laying the hands comes in. <laughs> we just, we'll just get it right out of there. Praise the Lord. Ooh, hallelujah. That's what God's doing. He's doing a scrubbing. He's doing a work. Praise God. Somebody say, Happy New Year. Here we go. We're, we're on the way now. 2021, the year of the miraculous. 
the moving of the Holy Spirit. Praise God. Getting back to God's new norm, which is not new. It's the old norm. We just got to get back to it. Then we can get into some new things. Some new things. Because it's greater to greater to greater works. Can you say amen? All right, Acts chapter 2. We've seen thus far seven key principles concerning the early church. We We saw that, number one, they were a praying church. We need to be a praying church. The Lord said, my house should be called a house of prayer for all nations. The house of prayer. Number two, an excited church full of expectancy. They were just expecting God. They were expecting something good to happen in their life. Number three, they came together in one place. The Bible tells us that we are not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. That's something the devil would love to do. Scatter us and keep us from gathering together. But we've come together in one place. And number four, they were united in one accord. Oh man, the early church were big on unity. They flowed together in one accord. Number five, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. That's the church. Filled with the Holy Spirit. Number six, they spoke in tongues. They spoke in tongues. That didn't go out. That's to be increasing. They spoke in tongues. That's a part of the church. They spoke in tongues. Number seven, they preached of a miracle-working Jesus who loosed us from the pains of death. Remember last time we got deep into that, looked at various different scriptures that, that were their pains can also be translated, especially in the Hebrew when it's mentioned in, in, in the book of, the, in book of Psalms. Pains there, it can also be translated cords or ropes. Jesus came and loosed us from these spiritual cords of death that manifest as pain. Pain is a manifestation of a spiritual rope, a spiritual entanglement of death. The death, the devil is trying to bind your life. You need to rise up and say, no, 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 no. Jesus loosed me from this. Jesus took my pain. Not in vain. He took it so I'd be free in his name. Hallelujah. So we saw those seven things. And uh, again, they preached of a miracle working Jesus. This is the first message ever preached by the church. The church age has begun here with Acts chapter 2. The church age has begun. And Peter stands up and preaches the first church message. And this is what it says. This is what it's all about. And it's a message that we still be preaching today. He's loosed us from the pains of death. We've got a miracle worker in our midst. Verse 22 of Acts 2. It says, men of Israel. This is Peter continuing to preach. Hear these words. Reminds me of the message we heard on New Year's Eve. Hear These words, Jesus said in Mark 5 or 4, he said, take heed how you hear. For with the measure you use, it'll be measured back to you. Don't just just be here, but hear. Be, Be here and hear what you're here for. All right? And so he says, men of Israel, hear these words. Don't just hear noise. 
Hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know. Again, Jesus, it was God working through Jesus. It wasn't Jesus doing these things of himself. It was God working through him. Verse 23, him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands, have crucified and put to death, whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held by it. So like we said, this was a message of redemption, healing. Deliverance from all the works of the devil being loosed from death itself. Jesus has set us free. It's a message of redemption. But notice also, it's a message full of conviction. Full of conviction. Notice how Peter speaks to these people. Preaching by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. You have taken by lawless hands have crucified and put to death. Now, that's not a very nice thing to say. It's not very nice to point your finger at these people and, and, and say those kind of things to them. That's enough to make people not want to listen to you. And that's not very seeker-friendly. Does that sound very seeker-friendly? You know, people seeking God? You got to be friendly. You got to be friendly. If they're seeking God, be friendly. Be seeker-friendly. How many of you ever heard that term? We've got to be seeker friendly. We've got to be a seeker friendly church. Seeker friendly churches, you don't talk like that. You don't look at people and say, You, you have taken by lawless hands, have crucified and put to death. You did this. We don't talk that way. You talk that way, you can offend people. Verse 36, he goes on. Therefore, let, the house, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified. I didn't do it. My God, the Romans did it. Pontius Pilate did it. I didn't do this. I mean, there's probably not one person there that he's preaching to that literally took a hammer and nails and nailed Jesus to the cross. There's probably not one person that did that. Not one of those people that were there that were whipping Jesus were probably even there present when this happened. But yet he's talking to multitudes of people. He's talking to thousands of people. Thousands of people. And he's rebuking them and he's telling them, you did this. You did this. You did this. You see, he's not just saying, Jesus came and he loves you just the way you are. You sweet little thing. And he came and he died for you. And those bad people crucified him so that you could be set free. Isn't that wonderful about Jesus? Well, thank God, but that's only a half truth. That's only half truth. The truth is your sins put Jesus on that cross. Your ugliness, your dirtiness, your filthy things that you've given yourself, have given place to in your life, put Jesus on the cross. You know, we get a hold of that, and that might shake people out of not wanting to do filthy things anymore. When you start realizing it was your dirt that put him in the grave. 
It was your filth that did that. It was your sin, your corruption, your little religious perverted ways. See, that's another thing about religion. They're so self-righteous. So self-righteous, you know? And so, you see, you got to cut through that self-righteousness. you got to cut through that self-righteousness. And you got to let them know that you're not so righteous in yourself. You did this. You're responsible for what happened to Jesus. Because your sins put him there. And not one of you are free of that excuse, of that, of that accusation. Everyone in this room has been guilty of putting Jesus on that cross. You crucified him. You put him there. You're not the sweet. See, a lot of these people he's talking to, actually, they've come to celebrate the religious feast of Pentecost. A Jewish feast, and they've all gathered. Some have traveled very far to be able to come and be at this feast, and they've paid a lot of money to be there. And they've and they brought their sacrifices and their offerings, and they've come. and And this is a big deal to them. I mean, this is a very holy religious holiday. So surely, I'm a very religious holy person because I'm participating in this wonderful holy holiday. And I got this man standing up here calling me a murderer. Calling me lawless. Accusing me of evil things. Religious people don't like that. Not everybody's going to like the gospel. Not everybody's going to like the truth when it's preached with conviction. With conviction. You say, what do you mean with conviction? Notice verse 36 again. Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified. Both Lord and Christ. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? See, there was a group of folks there that this cut them to the heart and their response was, what do we got to do to make this right? Because they saw their guilt. I'm sure there's plenty of religious people that were there too. You know, there was those we saw uh, further back here in the chapter that they were just mocking the Holy Spirit that had been poured out. And and the disciples were like drunkards, you know. They were so overcome by the Holy Spirit. They were so full of Him. They were like drunks. And so so there were people in the crowd that just mocked them. There was people that wondered about it. So you have all kinds of different people in the crowd. Don't follow the crowd. If you are a crowd follower, you are going to be a double-minded person, unstable in all your ways. You're going to get mad. You'll be fired up about something one day, and then you'll hear something over here, and you'll think, really? Huh? Really? That's how you feel about it? Yeah, and they're mockers, and they're cutting down people, and, and the next thing you'll hook up to them. And then you come over here, and then these people, they're saying great things and good things, and you'll connect with them. See, you don't want to connect with the crowd. See, we don't want to be followers of the crowd. We want to set our eyes on Jesus. Set our eyes on the word of God. What is God saying? Not what the crowd's saying. What's the Lord saying? That's how you stay on course. That's how you stay single-minded. That's how you're able to finish what God has called you to run and do. See, but a lot of people, they follow the crowd instead of following the word of God. 
following the conviction of the Holy Spirit. That's how he convicts us. That's how he leads us. He leads us through conviction. Conviction. You know that you know that you know on the inside about something. You know, you conviction. If something's not right, you get a conviction about you. Your head will say, no, it's okay. Everybody's doing it. Oh, no, 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 no. I mean, you know, at my church, that's just fine in my church. And this is great. And this is, but you got conviction. Or your mind will say, well, it's not that bad. You know, I'll just, I'll just get up and I'll, I'll get refreshments when the dirty scenes come on. See, so then I'll get up and I'll get, I'll get refreshments when that happens. And so, and so we make all kinds of excuses, see. But on the inside, there's, a, there's something cutting us. There's something cutting us. Something cutting us. And you got to watch because I'm, you know, when you cut yourself, what begins to happen? Your body immediately begins to heal itself. I mean, it just does. And, and so a scab forms. And, and scabs are, are not, not, not very, usually not very soft. They're usually very hard and very rigid, right? And they don't, they don't really stretch. If you pick at it, it'll just come right off, right? So that's, that's a scab. It's, it's a hard place. So you see, so see what will happen is you, you, the Holy Spirit will cut you, and then you'll try to cover it with a callus. In other words, you harden your heart against the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Do that enough times, and it'll, your convictions can get so thick that even God himself can't even cut through it. Your conscience can be so seared. Your conscience can be so callous that Holy Spirit can't even convict any longer. He can't cut through it. He can't cut through the callous that has formed in your heart. See? The outward man's patterned after the inward man, the spirit man. So we have to understand how it works. So you never want to harden your heart. If you have, if you have a conviction, then you need to respond to it. You need to, if, there's, if there's correction to be made, made make the correction. Get it right. Thank God you can get it right. Because God doesn't just tell you what's wrong, what's right, but he gives you the power to fix it. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. He gives you the power. With the word that convicts you is the power to change you, to transform you, to cause you to not to be bound by that thing anymore. Hallelujah. They were cut to the heart. How did that happen? That's the Holy Spirit. He's a heart cutter. But he's also a healer. Let him do the healing. Through the transformation. In other words, through the change in your life. Stop going down the same road, doing the same thing, when you know in your heart you're being rebellious. You're not following God. You're not submitted to him. You're doing your own will, not his will. I'm sorry, is this getting anybody uncomfortable? Good. Good. We need some folks that are getting uncomfortable this morning. We need some folks recognizing, I ain't right. I ain't right. Because you got to understand something. If you ain't right, if things are wrong in your life, whether you're religious or rebellious or whatever it is, if things are wrong, I got news for you. You're going to reap a harvest on the wrong. You're going to reap judgment. Things are going to happen because wrong gives place to a wrong spirit to bring about wrong things in your life. God wants to deliver you and get you off that path. And don't think just because you've been on that path so long and it's been smooth sailing that there isn't a waterfall up ahead where you're going to go over. You have to realize judgment comes. If it's not today or tomorrow, just know it comes. The only way to escape it is through Jesus Christ who took your judgment for you. 
He took your sin. He took your judgment. And the only way to escape is to not say, sorry, Lord, you know, I'm just an old sinner and I'm going to stay this way, but I do say I'm sorry. No, 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 no. That's not what brings about the change. What brings about the change is he shows you it's wrong and then empowers you to turn and go a totally different way. It's time for a lifestyle change. Could you imagine that? A lifestyle change. Some folk get so in their comfort zone. They don't want a life. They don't even want to hear about a lifestyle change, let alone actually have a lifestyle change. But friend, it's going to take a lifestyle change. If you want to experience a transformation of God in your life and experience his will for your life and the victory that he has for your life. Can you say amen? So even though you may have repented and gotten born again, probably not the last time you've had to repent. If that was the last time you repent, it was back in 19-something or other. If that was the last time you repented, you're probably in a lot of, a heap of trouble. And you just don't know it. But I'm here to tell you, you are. Ain't I a good guy? Right? See, that's good news. Praise God. Hallelujah. I got good news for you. You're in a heap of trouble. Well, that isn't good news. No, no, no. The bad news is you not knowing it. Now, that's bad news. The bad news is that you're totally unaware and somebody's telling you a bunch of sweet nothings. And they're telling you, actually, you're okay. You're wonderful. God loves you just as you are. Well, God's going to judge you just as you are. God's going to send you to hell just as you are. He does it to people all the time. Where did that amen go? Did you notice that amen just went over the falls? Did you see that? I'm just giving you the truth this morning. It needs to be heart cutting. We need some surgery. Man, 2021. Yeah, I'm believing it's going to be a much better year than 2020. Oh, really? What are you going to do different? Huh? Huh? What are you going to do different? Uh-huh. God said it's going to be a better year. What are you going to do? You're going to have to yield to God in 2021 like you didn't yield to God in 2020. You're going to have to yield to him in a much greater way if you're going to expect to see much greater things in this upcoming and now year. See, we just want to put it all off on God. Religious people like to do that. See, I'm just cutting through religion today. We just, we just love putting that all off on God. If God wants to do it, he can do it. I just mean God's timing, whatever God wants, he can have and he can do it. And if, well, it must not have been his will because if it didn't happen and if Charlie died, then it must have been God's will. He must need another flower in his garden in heaven and that's why Charlie died. And so, you know, it could never have been Charlie's fault. It could never have been anybody else's fault. It had to be God's sovereignty that actually does all these things and we're a bunch of mindless robots that can live however we want and nothing really matters because God's in absolute sovereign control. But I like what I just heard this past week from Reverend Kevin Durant. He said, here is the sovereignty of God. It's right here. This word right here, it's the sovereignty of God. And it's full of all kinds of things that you're instructed to do and instructed in ways to live. Are you with me? Oh, hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I just want to see change in 2021. That's why we're cutting. I didn't plan it. The Holy Spirit just brought us to this verse. I didn't mean it. We were just doing the book of Acts. I didn't know we were going to end up here on the first day of the new year. But doesn't it make sense? 
He wants to bring about some new things in your life. In this new year, God wants to bring about some changes. Everybody's talking about changes. How's it going to happen? Change. Change. Change the way we think. Change the direction that we are going. Hallelujah. Praise God forever. Proverbs 28, verse 23. It says, he who rebukes a man will find more favor afterwards, after the service is over and maybe somewhere down the road. He'll find more favor afterwards than he who flatters with the tongue. I like that afterwards because a lot of times when people are in the middle of being cut to the heart, rebuked, corrected, they don't like the correction and they don't like the vessel that's doing it. But afterwards... Afterwards, they recognize, hopefully, they come to their senses and recognize they needed this. They needed that. Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews, the 12th chapter. I like what Job said. Job said, happy is the man whom God corrects. Isn't that good? Happy is, in other words, you might not, you not be, might not be happy in the moment, but you'll be happy after. I've learned to be happy in the moment. I love when God corrects me. It shows me that he loves me, that he's, he's helping me. He's here. He's, he, he's, he's with me. You know, a lot of people say, Lord, speak to me. Lord, I need to hear from you. I need to hear from you. Oh, God. And then they go and they turn on the thing and they get, <clears throat> they get cut to the heart. He's talking. But uh, we put that away. See, see, we want him to talk to us what we want him to say to us. In other words, God talk to me and say the exact things I want to hear. And that's why you can't hear. That's why there's no hearing from God. So that's what causes spiritual deafness and spiritual dumbness. It's because you want God to speak to you on your terms long as he speaks to you within the boundaries of what you want to hear. So, see, that needs to change. See, we've got to have the humility to recognize God knows more than me. God's greater than me. God's bigger than me. And God has better things for me than I could ever plan for myself. He's got better things. Than, so, I'm gonna, if he says this is no good, I'm going to trust him that he's actually got something better. If he says to me, cut it out. Don't go that way anymore. New lifestyle. Total change. That means, oh, what does he have for me? What does he have in store for me? Because with God, it's always great. It's always wonderful. But you see, the way to life, Jesus said, is difficult. And few find it because he says, you're going to have to squeeze through this opening. And you can't, that sack that you're carrying... And all this weight, you see, that's all going to get squeezed out, see, and as you go through this narrow passageway and, and come into life. So, so people are trying to, you understand what I'm doing up here? I'm going through a doorway. And it's really narrow. It's really narrow. And it's like, this is difficult to get in there. And it's squeezing away in there. And see, stuff's got to come off. Ah, oh, that hurts. Oh, that hurts. Press, press. Oh, that hurts. Press in. Come on. Oh, oh. it might take a while, but oh, when you get in there, it's like, 
Glory to God. No turning back, no turning back. Right? And it really only got a little wider. And then there's another door. Now you're a Christian. And you come up to the other door. And it's even more narrow. But when you get through that one, I mean, it's more narrow than the other one. But when you get through that, because you're getting purged, see? And as you get through that one, whew, it's even a wider place. Oh, hallelujah. Now you're out of the foyer. Now you're in the great room. And you go along, and that's real good. And then you get convicted and cut, and he shows you another door. And he says, come through this door. Oh, that's not a door. That's a hole. I'm afraid if I stick my head in there, it's going to get stuck. It's all right. That's, I mean, it's okay. I mean, I don't want to get my head stuck. It's all right because you, you're committed to it. Ah. I see it. I see it. Bless God, I see it. That's when you need to have a local church family. So they can come up and say, give us your hand. And then the other people on the other side can get on the other side of you and push. <clears throat> come on, fatso. Get in there. Get in there. But you see, people get offended because their brother's kicking them in the rear. That's it, I'm done. They're offended because their brother was kicking them in the rear. Stop pulling me. Stop pulling me. We love you, brother. We love you. Come on in here. You gotta get in here. This is good stuff. Oh, you fanatics! You fanatics! Let me go! Let me go! We see people like that all the time in church. They're stuck. They're in that place. It's like, I want what's in there, but I want out of here. I love these people, but I hate these people. And they're just stuck. They're stuck, but it's 2021. We got some oil of the Holy Ghost. We're going to get you pushed through that thing, baby. And you're coming out into something bigger and greater than you've ever known before. Come on, somebody. Stand up and give him a shout. Praise God. Woo! Hallelujah. Praise God. Somebody shout, I'm coming through. I want a breakthrough. Well, then get broken. You are the one that break so you can go through. Oh, can we just have the through? See, it sounded really good. We're going to have a breakthrough. This is your year of the breakthrough. And you don't know you're the one that's going to break <laughs> as you go through. God has to break you. Break you of tradition, religiosity, stupidness, fool. Break stuff off of you is what I'm talking about. Break stuff. And it's not just as easy as because it's in you. It's in, your, it's in your soul. It's in your inner being. It's in your mind. But he wants to break it. Just break it off your life. He wants that anointing to break it. Destroy the yoke and set you free and bring you into a greater place of liberty. Hallelujah. It's always better with God, even though it doesn't always 
feel that way or look that way at first. But it's better. I said it's better. Can you say amen? Oh, hallelujah. It's all worth it, folks. It's all worth You don't want to stay back there. Where? Where you've been. Not a one of you want to stay where you've been. I'm not saying you're in a bad place, but there's a better place. There's a better place. What, are you, what, are you, what, what, what goofy thing are you allowing to put limits on you and how, and how far you... What goofy thing are you letting keep you back from going on into the more of what God has for you? What goofy... It's the goofiest things that people hang on to. God says, let go of that. No. It's a stupid little thing. Let go. I'm, I'm, I'm very familiar with it. And I'm very addicted to it. And I'm very comfortable with it. And I don't want to give that up just yet. We'll go back to 2019 then. I mean, just go backwards if you want. But God wants you to move on. He wants you to move on. Don't let some goofy thing keep you from God's greater. So many times it's the little things that people fail the test on. It's not usually even a big thing, but to them it's a big thing. It's, in their soul. it's got such a hold on their soul, they won't let it go. Is there something like that in your life? As you're standing there, is there something that you would say, yeah, there's, there's, there's things in my life. There's a thing. I just don't want to let go of that yet. That's your bondage. That's the thing that has to break. It has to break. It'll feel like you're breaking. When that's broken off you because it's such a part of you, it'll feel like you're breaking, but it won't last very long. The feelings, who cares? Let's get on into the better that God has for us. Come on. Come on. We're the church of the last days. We got to get in there, folks. We got to get in there. It might not be easy, but it's worth it. It's worth it. Bless God forever. I'm not going to let some stupid little thing keep me out of God's best for my life. I'm not going to let it happen. I'm not going to let it happen. Show me, Jesus. Expose it to me. That'd be a good prayer to pray. Break it off my life, which you'll feel like me being broken. But I'm ready. I'm ready. Is there anybody in here that you've come to that point that you really want to move into the greater that God has for you, the greater works, the greater life, the greater glory, the greater everything? Let's see a greater God in our lives. Let's get rid of the old. Are you ready? Hallelujah. Father, we thank you so much for the word today. Thank you for others. That concludes this message. For more information about Life of Faith Bible Church or Stephen Fraser Ministries, go to our website at lofbc.org. While you're there, be sure to check out the many other teaching series and books by Stephen Fraser. That website again is lofbc.org. And you can always call 888-542-2555. We trust today's message has encouraged your faith and strengthened your spirit to live the victorious life. And until next time, remember, we always triumph and we always win.